Why is it on this fourth Sunday of Advent that we have the nativity story from Matthew's Gospel? Since we're still in the season of preparation, why this reading today? It seems a little premature. But this Gospel from Matthew, in presenting us the person of Joseph, presents to us a necessary fundamental disposition that readies us not only for the feast of Christmas, but readies us for all the ways that God wants to bless us in our life, the way that God wants to work in our hearts. So if we want to be ready for the mystery of Christmas, And to allow that mystery to invade our life in a way that is very fruitful, we need this disposition in the soul and the heart of St. Joseph. What is this disposition? It is the humble openness and trustful surrender to the will and the plan of God. Once Joseph knows what God's plan is, he embraces it and carries it out. This is what I love about Joseph, what I love about Mary, and what will be powerfully present and strong in the earthly life of Jesus. This openness and surrender to the plan and the will of God. This is the difference between living a life that is full of blessings, a life that is amazing and beautiful and fruitful versus a life that is small, superficial, vain, and only about this world. The scriptural understanding of happiness is always connected to doing God's will. Happiness equals doing God's will. And therefore, if you and I should ever want to be miserable, not that we would ever want that, then let's just do our will and see how far we get. Let's put this into perspective and in context. If Joseph and Mary followed the customs of their day, and they probably did, at this time Mary would have been about 11 or 12 years old. Do we have any 11, 12-year-old youth in our parish this morning? All right, are you, are you 11 teen? Yes, 11 teen, Okay. And Joseph would have been around 18 or 19. When this all started to unfold and happen, imagine you come to find out that the woman you are marrying is now pregnant and has conceived by the Holy Spirit, the Son of God. That would reorient our life in a major way, radically. 
it would change everything. And what's beautiful about Joseph is he accepts this plan and enfolds his life around this mother and child and puts himself at the service of this plan for them together. And imagine the renunciations that Joseph had to make to accept and follow this. He was marrying a woman who received a special grace to consecrate herself as a virgin to God for the whole of her life. And he was being asked to father a child that was not his own, and yet which he fully embraced as his own, because that was the will of God. And then to come to find out the news about the census that they would have to go to Bethlehem and take part in this census that Herod had asked for. And to go to Bethlehem at a time of year that was cold and to go at the time when his wife Mary was close to delivering the child. That reminds me of a a cute story. We had a funeral on Friday for Colette Norman, our sister in Christ. And of course, her husband, Tom, and the children were here. And one of the children, Tim, got up and gave the eulogy. And he shared the moment when Colette was having their children, and she had to be rushed off to the emergency room one day. And then Tom found out about it. So he rushes down to the hospital And instead of going to the emergency exit, he pulls up to the sign to the loading dock where it says, all deliveries made here. (laughs) They weren't sure if he was joking or just real stressed out. But anyway, imagine that. And then, what would they do if she were to deliver in Bethlehem? And they could not find a place in any of the lodgings. And they had to continually surrender and trust that God had a plan. And it was very different than what they might have hoped for or thought. And then, because there was a threat against the child's life, they had to flee into Egypt with hardly anything not knowing what they would encounter when they got there, but trusting again that God's plan was perfect, that God's providential love held everything that was best for them, even though that path of God's will can be lined with thorn bushes at times and difficult to embrace And accept. My life began to change in a radical way when I learned this fundamental disposition and action of our Christian life. When I and my family were led to a woman who would mentor us in the way of the Christian life 
as disciples of Jesus. When we came to this woman, she taught us this beautiful, very simple prayer. And she asked us to do it three times a day, which we did. And that was to take and put in our hands our will, which means putting in our hands our hopes, our desires, our dreams, our struggles, whatever we think we want or need. And she said, put those in your hand and then offer it all completely to God and ask that God's will be done, that God's plan be fulfilled. And as I started to do this in my life, I began to discover what we struggle so much to believe, that God's will is better than mine. Isn't that something? If I were to ask the question, is God's will better than your will and mine? What's the answer to that question? Of course, it's better. But isn't it something how much you and I struggle to believe that. This is why we're such control freaks. Why we think we have to control every single thing in our life. And therefore, we're not open to Jesus. We're not open to innumerable blessings and ways that God wants to break into our life and give us something better. Boy, do we have a hard time believing that. To think that my will and what I want must be executed and happen at all cost. And I'll make everyone around me miserable if it doesn't. Misery equals doing my will. Is that what I want for the rest of my life? This is why we can be so aggressive, so willful, so impatient, and just pushing our way through the day, through the week, insisting that our will be done. And yet every time we say the Our Father, we say, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't this amazing? Is God's plan better for you and me? Why was I born into the family to which I belong? With all of its challenges, ups and downs, and hardships. And perhaps like me, many of you in this church today, maybe there was a moment when you were growing up where you wanted to run away from home maybe more than once. Maybe there's someone here that still wants to run away from home. I don't know. And yet I would not exchange my family for anything. As I look back and I see how God has worked and used all the circumstances and uniqueness of my family 
I would not trade it in for any of your families. I embrace God's will for my family. And then I wanted to get married. I love kids. I wanted to get married and have a lot of kids and raise my family on a hobby farm in the country with pigs and goats and chickens. And so when I was 25 years old and God started to break into my life and call me to a celibate life, to live only for him, God, what are you doing? I want to get married and have kids. Can I trust you with my life? Do you have a better plan? And then, of course, to come to find out a year and a half later that he was calling me to be a priest. Boy, I didn't see that one coming. And God is still laughing, as is my high school class. And then I was a nursing assistant in a nursing home, which I loved. I loved this job. I loved those people. Injured my back, was on light duty for two weeks, walked in to get my paycheck, and they said, we can't keep you. This is your last day. And I walked out of there without a job, not having any clue what was going to happen next as I applied for unemployment? God, what are you up to? And I had to keep surrendering my will, surrendering my will, opening my life to a plan I could not see. And sometimes I had to make those acts of surrender in my car, in the parking ramp, in the stalls of a restroom, wherever I could, surrendering my will. You know these hands that we have? We take these with us all day long. These hands make the best altar. They're the best altar we have where we can put whatever we are struggling with, whatever confusion or darkness or lack of acceptance that we might have we can put that in our hands. Our will, which we cling to so much, it's the hardest thing that you and I will give to God. And yet, it's the most important thing that we will give to God. If we are going to know the joy and fulfillment and beauty of God's blessing and plan, this is what we must do, like Joseph, like Mary, like Jesus. We can do something very beautiful at this Mass, and we can do it at every Mass. This is why we never come to Mass as a spectator. We are called to do something. And what I'd recommend we do this morning, let's pile this altar with our will every one of us here today to put on this altar as I prepare the altar, to put our hopes, our dreams, our desires, our joys, our struggles, our families, 
spouses, children, friends, classmates, our work, our possessions, put it all on this altar. And to truly give it all to God. And you look what we get back. We get back Jesus. We get back Jesus, who is the embodiment of all that God truly wants for us. Jesus embodies the best for us. Because ultimately, God's will is not about solving our political conundrums. It's not about bringing balance into my emotional life. It is not about granting me economic success. It is not making the world and the earth morally and ethically better. God's ultimate will is for Jesus to find a resting place in you and me. It's for you and me to become disciples of Jesus. It is for you and me to become more like Jesus. And that is what's going to make our lives happier and this world better. So let us make this offering today and God promises abundant blessings on all who surrender their will to him. Amen.